Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. How many is glad to be in the house of the Lord on a Sunday morning? Amen. Amen. I'm glad to be here this morning. I'm glad that y'all are here. I told Brother Littles earlier, I said, in one way, I'm glad that Brother and Sister Littles are here this morning. In another way, I wish that they were in Branson at the JBQ finals. But uh, Bible quizzing is awesome. And we are so thankful for a Bible quiz program here at First Church and all that they've done uh, this year. And uh, give honor to them this morning. Give honor to uh, Brother Sheeran in his absence. And uh, we're going to hear great reports out of Bible quizzing finals in Branson. We always hear great, and we're going to hear great uh, reports as well. This morning, um, I'm going to touch on a subject that seems to be very popular, has been for the past 20 years, especially in uh, Christian literature. It's become a very popular topic. We hear about it uh, touched on every so often. I'm not quite sure if uh, we heard it touched on quite the way that uh, I'm going to approach it today. Um, but one of the uh, more popular, if you've been to a Christian bookstore, you've examined the, the World Wide Web, one of the subjects that is very popular and has been, like I said, for probably the past couple of decades, is the topic of spiritual warfare. And I've read several books, I've read several articles on the subject of spiritual warfare. And uh, today I'm going to take just a slightly different tack on that. I'm not going to give you any concrete battle plans for a specific battle. Uh, perhaps today I'm just going to just talk about what the Word of God says about the war. Maybe not simply one specific battle, but the war in general. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning at verse number 3. This is a scripture that uh, many of us have heard. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. This is telling us that the warfare that we fight is not in the flesh, it is in the spirit. I have long said, uh, through the course of our life, I know of individuals that every good thing that happens to them, it's God. And every bad thing that happens to them is the devil. Well, I believe that there are some things in our life that happen, and it is God. There are some things in our lives that happen, and it is the devil. But I'm a firm believer that a lot of what happens to us in our life 
is just that, it's life. We were privileged to be with uh, Brother Stan and Sister Cheryl Cook over this past weekend, and he mentioned a Southeast Missouri saying. The Bible says it rains on the just and on the unjust. He said, colloquially, Southeast Missouri is, sooner or later, everyone's going to get wet. So there are things in our lives that happen, and it's just life. But I am not blind to the fact that we have an enemy, and he hates us. He hates you with a purple passion. And he would love nothing more than to see you quit. He would love nothing more than to see you just leave the fight and quit. The Bible tells us in the book of Daniel that in the end times, he will wear out the saints of the Most High. So, along those lines... I'm going to take a different tack when it comes to spiritual warfare. Uh, most of the books that I've read, I'm not a, an expert on that. I have a few books that I've read on spiritual warfare. And a lot of them tend to fall into two different categories. One is, you read a book on spiritual warfare, and the author basically tells you probably what you already know, which is you need to pray more, and you need to fast more. And... If that's a revelation this morning, you probably need to pray more and you need to fast more. When Bishop G.A. Mangan could get behind the pulpit and tell his congregation and tell uh, because of the times that he needed to pray more, and this is a man, by the way, that um, was on record to pray somewhere between the neighborhood of four and five hours a day, and he would tell his congregation that he needed to pray more, or this is a man that would fast multiple uh, weeks sometimes, and he would tell his congregation he needed to fast more. Well, if he needs to pray and fast more, then I sure need to pray and fast more. I'm not where I need to be at. Another category, another camp of these books that at least that I've read, um, to me seem to be a little presumptuous because they intend to present to you a prayer that God has to answer yes to. It's a prayer that God cannot say no to. And uh, to be honest, um, really the only prayers that I know that God absolutely will not say no to is a prayer of repentance. Or if you ask for the Holy Ghost, the Bible says he will grant that. The Bible says if you ask for wisdom, he'll give it to you. Uh, but they tend to present, there's this secret prayer in the Bible. And if you decode the Bible, there's this prayer that if you pray, God has to answer yes to. And... Perhaps that prayer does exist in the Bible. I've not found that. So I'm not giving you any detailed battle plans. Instead, I'm just going to talk about the fact that the battle that we are in, the warfare that we are in, um, tends not to be an individual um, breakout. It doesn't tend to be simply a... Um, a short-term battle, really what we have found ourselves in in the Christian life is something that historians call a war of attrition. And a war of attrition is a war in which both sides dig in and basically try to fight the other side into surrender first. Um, World War I was a war of attrition. Germany found itself in a war of attrition against 
both the West and the East. Um, in World War I, they kind of dug in trench warfare. If you've seen pictures or read history books, they dug into trenches and literally fought each other until the other side would surrender first. Um, they couldn't necessarily attack each other directly in that war. Um, they were fighting just until one side just threw enough at the other that they gave up. They surrendered. That is what history calls a war of attrition. It's a war in which basically the first one to hold out wins. The first one to just dig in and say, we're not surrendering, you're going to surrender first, is the side that ultimately wins. Not to say that we are in trench warfare against the enemy. But we fight a devil that fights us every day. And he fights us in ways that we can only imagine. The Bible says our weapons are not carnal. They're spiritual. And the battle that we fight is on the spiritual realm, but it tends to manifest itself. It can manifest itself in the physical. I'm not saying that every time you go to Walmart and the cashier's rude to you, it's the devil trying to get you in a bad mood. But we serve an enemy. He knows just how to get under our skin. Maybe not you. Maybe it's just me. But I, I serve an enemy. He, he kind of knows what gets me. And he kind of knows how to just do something in my day just to get me just absolutely beside myself at times. That does happen. But we are in a war that if you read the Bible... If you're like me and you've read the back of it, we win. The church is automatically granted victory. The battle plan has already been drawn up. And in the end, we win. This is not a battle where we're sitting here confused and we're wondering, oh, which side's going to win? Is it God's side going to win or is the devil's side going to win? It's going to be God's side that wins. Ultimately, we win the war. And we will win if we don't give up. Ultimately, we win. When I say it's a war of attrition, pretty much the devil is just trying to get us to quit. He will throw things against us every single day if he has to. And he doesn't fight fair. He will attack us every which way that he possibly can. I've already mentioned, he'll get some total stranger to smart off to you and just get you riled up if he has to. He'll use that. He'll have somebody on the interstate just cut you off if he thinks it'll just get you to mess up that day. He will use your family if he can. But ultimately, we have to keep fighting. The warfare that we fight is ultimately boiled down to if we don't quit. The Bible says in due season we shall reap if we don't give up hope, if we don't quit. If we won't give up, if we won't surrender, in the end, we are going to win. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We read about the armor of God. 
And I've heard many people preach on the armor of God. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to teach on that. He says, to put on the whole armor of God, and I've noticed the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, all of it is a defensive measure until you get to the end. He says, to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and usually we leave it at that. We say, well, take the sword of sal- you know, the sword of the Spirit, that's the word, and it's a weapon. And then the end of that verse isn't a period, though, it's a comma, and then he says, praying always. So in our weapons, we have the word and prayer. And isn't it amazing that that's usually the two things in our society today we find the hardest. We will find time for anything. But when it comes time to reading the word, or when it comes time for prayer, that's the two things that, man, we just run out of time. We, we just, something took it up. Something else got in the way. We have two weapons at our disposal in our warfare. Your salvation is protection. The helmet of salvation that you put on over your mind is protection. The breastplate of righteousness to guard your heart is protection. The belt of truth that binds it all together. The shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace. It's all defensive. But the word and your prayers are powerful in the spirit. When you read the word, when you pray, things change. And the devil will try everything in his power to get us to stop doing the two things that are the most effective. Reading the word and prayer. Maybe this is just me. Maybe it's just my Maybe this is just my day, Sister Laura, to just confess before the whole church. You know, they say confession's good for the soul. Maybe that's what this is. This is just a confession day for me to say, you know what? If there's two things I don't have time for, it's the word and prayer. If I run out of time, usually I've accomplished everything in my day except for those two things. I just ran out of time. I have to focus my time for those things. But ultimately... In our warfare, we have to just make up in our mind, no matter what the enemy throws at us, we just won't quit. Ultimately, at the end, we have to realize the devil only wins if we quit. If we keep going, if we don't surrender, in the end, we are going to win. Perhaps the greatest battle of attrition, at least in the 20th century, happened during World War II. There was a battle called the Battle of Stalingrad. And the Battle of Stalingrad was a part of the invasion of the Soviet Union by Nazi Germany. And for some reason, Hitler decided Stalingrad was named for the leader of the Soviet Union. And so he had to have that city at all costs. And so at the beginning, he took the city of Stalingrad, he conquered it, and it looked like he was going to win. And then he got hung up. It turned into a stalemate. And over the course of the next half of a year, the Soviet Red Army encircled the city of Stalingrad completely and cut it off. And left a part of the Nazi German army in the city surrounded by the enemy with no way to get out. And so 
the general in charge of that sent word to Hitler and said, we are completely surrounded. The situation is untenable. Uh, can we surrender to the Red Army? And Hitler said, under no cost will you surrender. You will sacrifice yourselves for the good of the Reich if need be. You will not surrender that city. And it turned into one of the bloodiest battles in the history of warfare. Estimates put somewhere between 5 and 10 million soldiers died in the course of that one battle as the Soviets just encircled the city and just began to squeeze the Germans into, you're going to die or you will surrender. We're not giving up. You are surrounded. You can't break out. That's what you are. Finally, after months of bloody fighting, the Nazis surrendered to the inevitable after they were cut off into pretty much city blocks of territory they still held. They were forced to surrender. To be honest with you, if I can be transparent today, that is really what our warfare boils down to. Because we are told in the book of Matthew that on the rock, Jesus said on the knowledge that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, he said, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And a gate is a defensive maneuver. I would dare say that the warfare that we are fighting, if we really understood it, the enemy has taken territory. And the enemy is holding on to a city. But we have them surrounded. And we're sitting here saying, you know what, devil? We're not going to give up. We're not going to surrender. You can throw at us what you want. But the gates you've put up will not keep us back. We are going to squeeze you out because our general has already declared victory. All we have to do is not surrender. To be honest, if you want to see true spiritual warfare in action, Brother Clyde, all I have to do is point to you. Because how many years was it that Sister Angel just kept coming and kept coming and would sit right about there and just kept sitting in the pew, wouldn't give up, kept praying, kept believing. Year after year after year, she said, I'm not surrendering. I'm not giving up. I'm, you know, perhaps, I don't know, perhaps in your flesh, there was a time or two in the back of your mind, you probably thought, man, it'd just be easier just to give up this fight. But you kept going. And because you wouldn't surrender, Brother Clyde's sitting right there. He's teaching Bible class because you wouldn't give up. I'm here just to encourage us today, don't give up. It's hard. It is a warfare. There is pain involved. The enemy doesn't fight fair at all. He will attack you where he knows he will do the most damage. But if we simply will just dig in and say, okay, devil, I see how you're playing. You're not, you're not fighting fair. Okay. You're going to fight that way. You're going to attack me that way. 
I'm not going to give up. Sister Laura, the devil doesn't fight fair. And you know what happens if you don't quit? If you don't quit, you can say, okay, devil, you're taking stuff from me. You're attacking me every which way. You're like, okay, we'll just start recovery. You took stuff from me, I'll just take stuff back from you. I'll bring in the people nobody wants. I'll feed them a meal. I'll tell them about Jesus. I'm going to be honest with you. That recovery program that we've got across the street, these pews are going to be filled because of that. You know how I know that? Our weapons aren't carnal. And if we don't give up, if we just say, you know what? Hey, that battle didn't turn out the way we want to, but we win the war. If we just simply will say, I'm not giving up hope. This is a war of attrition, devil. You're going to surrender before I do. And we don't quit. In the end, we win. I'm not going to share with you some secret prayer that you can pray to make it all better. I can't share with you today and say, well, if you'll do this, this, and this, if you'll follow these three easy steps, you know, you will win every battle. Unfortunately, I can't share that with you because... To be transparent, I've lost my share of battles. I've taken the devil head on, and he's whooped my tail. I've prayed, and God has said no. I've prayed, and God has said, not now. I've fasted, and the situation has gotten worse. But I know that if I don't quit, I'm going to win this thing. Because... Our general, 2,000 years ago, hanging between heaven and earth on a cross. In our Bibles, it's translated, the last words that he said was, it is finished. In the Greek, in the New Testament, that phrase, it is finished, is teleo. Hanging on the cross, he said, teleo, which the soldier standing at his feet understood. Teleo was a phrase reserved for two things, either war or sporting events. Because Teleo was reserved for the victor. Teleo was a phrase used at the Olympics every year when they would run the foot race. Whoever crossed the finish line first, it was reserved for that runner to say, Teleo! It is done. It is finished with the understanding, I won. A general at the end of a war could shout that out. Our general, hanging on the cross, put hell on notice. He said, these battles may continue, but the war is over. Taleo, it is finished. And my side won. What we're doing today is just simply the mop-up. There's packets. There's pockets of resistance. And the devil is still fighting. And he's fighting furiously because he knows we've won. And he does not want to surrender. But I've come today to share with us, if we simply will not quit, I want to encourage somebody, if it feels like you're losing today, if you're saying, I'm praying, I'm fasting, 
I'm fighting every which way that I can, and the longer I fight, the worse it's getting. I'm fasting, and it looks like God's ignoring me. The more that I do, it seems the worse that I'm getting. Just hold on. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't quit. Because if you will just hold on for a little longer, in the end, we win. And the devil loses. At the appointed time, we will reap everything that we need. Only if we faint not. Don't quit. Don't surrender. In the end, we're going to win this.